With an aging order, no new seminarians in the U.S. pipeline, what happens to schools like Notre Dame when the Marist priests move to senior status? What is the responsibility of the laymen and women who teach our students and those who run our school? How does the school embody the Marist values? In short, what does it mean to be a Marist-sponsored school? Join me as we explore these questions and more on this episode of The Marist Minute. So today we want to talk a little bit about what it means to be a Marist-sponsored school uh, and what specifically down the line that means for, uh, for Notre Dame. Okay. Uh, but let's start off with now that you're a media star. I'm talking about the <laughs> fact that, what was it, about three weeks ago I turned on the television <laughs> and here the guy is talking about Dan Lye of Notre Dame Prep. <laughs> yeah. Was it your daughter? It was my daughter, yeah. yeah. And I'm not sure what she was doing. So she was, so we were at my mom's and uh, she went up to the TV. The sports segment was on and she's, she goes up to this TV and she's like, daddy, daddy. And I'm like, no, daddy's right here. And she insisted that, uh, Bernie Smilovich was daddy. And so I, <laughs> <laughs> so I, I sent that to, to them and they were like, oh, this is hilarious. We have to air it. I'm like, okay, that's fine. <laughs> so, <laughs> so your daughter's been sent to a convent now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Well, let's start this whole thing by, um, you know, I think it, when we talk about sponsorship, we really need to talk in terms of um, something a little outside the box mm-hmm. to begin with. And that is, um, for Marists, our identity, our mission, our work, uh, our association with Mary, the mother of Jesus, this is the most precious thing to us. Mm. You know, we we live our Christian identity as Marists. Uh, throughout the school, you see these things about uh, think, feel, judge, and act as Mary in all things. Right, yeah. So, you know, and from the beginning, that has always been for Marists the way. This is what's most precious to us. And when we go into a place, when we go to work at a place, uh, that's what we take with us is this very precious gift. And in turn, we want to offer that gift so that when we have schools starting back with Father Colan in, uh, you know, the 1830s and continuing up to the 1860s when the Marist opened the first school here in the United States and now to Notre Dame Prep or to Notre Dame Academy in Duluth, Georgia, um, or Marist School in Atlanta, um, we bring to these schools or we try to bring to these schools what is most precious to us, and that is the way that Marists operate and the message that we are trying to bring, and that is that you know uh, God's love for every person is so important. And we try to do it in Mary's way. Mm. So what happens, though, is over a period of time, let's just take the United States very briefly, mm. uh, in the last 
120 years, 130 years, the Marists have had something like 12 or 13 high schools in the United States. So you have to look at this and you have to say to yourself, well, God, were they that bad that they couldn't (laughs) couldn't keep a place long enough? But each of those had a mission that, you know, was founded for a very specific reason. And the Marists were there uh, to do a very specific mission. Um, And so, for example, uh, the very first school we had was called Jefferson College St. Mary's mm. uh, in Convent, Louisiana. The building still stands. It's now a Jesuit retreat house. But uh, and it was 1864, January of 1864, when the school came into the hands of the Marist, and we operated it from there to 1928. Oh, wow. Okay. And, but, you know, they... It was for the sons of what they call the sons of sugar. Nice. Um, these were plantation owners, and uh, the school became a place where you could send your your son, and he would get a, a good education, or at least a good enough education type of thing. But it became very clear, you know, by uh, probably about 1910 that. The school wasn't going to be needed much longer. The world had expanded because of the Industrial Revolution. Um, the way things were radically changing, particularly after the First World War. And so, you know, the original mission of the school no longer stood. And so the Maris decided um, that, you know, the number of students had significantly dropped. And so they decided, okay, it's time for us to end this mission. Mm. And we've had other cases like that as well. Um, and I, but I don't think I want to go into a lot of them, but, uh, you know, in, in some places we've even trailblazed. But there's also been a, a thing where we say to ourselves, can we leave this precious gift behind mm. without our presence necessarily being there? We always looked upon the the lay folks that worked with us from the beginning as, you know, collaborators, mm-hmm. that they worked with us, that they would pick up the spirit of, of the society and they would carry that with them. And uh, I can, you know, I taught for over a decade at, at an all boys Catholic high school mm-hmm. that we had. And I saw, you know, from from people that we had had working with us for years, they had the Maris spirit. They picked up different aspects of our educational philosophy. But most especially, they had the idea behind what we were trying to do there, mm. that we were trying to form Christian people, upright citizens and academic scholars, that that indeed was what we were about. But in that school, for example, the time came again, number of students dropped rather significantly. And at the same time, we were facing another crisis, and that is that the Maris fathers were getting older. Right. It was, but it was long before this. And so, you know, um, we had to make a decision. What do we do? And we continued with the school as long as we possibly could. But then 
that came down to the point where we had to let it go. And we had sold it to a diocese, and the diocese was the ones who eventually took it over, uh, said, you know, we just can't run this anymore. It's run its mission. Well, I see. But when you look at something like Notre Dame uh, here, uh, Notre Dame Prep, um, you know, the school seems to be very vibrant and alive. Yeah. And so as the Maris fathers, and I'm going to go back now about five or six years, but as the Maris fathers were and brothers were looking at this, uh, you know, they had to come to a choice. We had no more people to send here. At the present time, we don't have any seminarians oh, wow. uh, here in the United States. Other countries in the world have seminarians, but uh, primarily Europe, uh, North America, well, I shouldn't say North America, the United States, Canada, we don't have seminarians. Oh. And um, it's because of, I think, because of the culture out of which, you know, the world exists and things like that. So the Marist had to decide, okay, what are we going to do? And it was decided to sell Notre Dame Prep to an independent board. So the school is actually an independent Catholic high school. But a couple of things were attached to that. One was that the school would have to come directly under the archdiocese if, uh, you know, if there was not a sponsoring group. I see. And at the same time, those that were, you know, in the function of running the thing were basically uh, of the, of the opinion that they wanted to keep with the Maris spirit. Mm. So we still had, of course, we still had Father Leon, who was in administration at the time. Father Joe was uh, the principal of the high school at the time. So, you know, there was a very strong Marist presence yeah. in things. Um, now, if you look at it, Father Joe is our provincial. Right. Uh, Father Leon, Father Ron, and Brother Louie are all in their mid to late 70s. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, I'm in my early 70s. Uh, so, you know, it's, and there's nobody behind me. Yeah, right. right. So, uh, the question becomes, if the Marists are going to be there, how are they going to continue on? And of course, for us, the big question is, you know, are there men and women who are willing and are capable and are called to, you know, to do this work of animating the Maris spirit in the school. Yeah. And to make sure that that, that gets carried out in every level of the school, in every place, you know, there's something that's going on. So that's really, that's what sponsorship is about. Mm. It's our way of taking the gift that we have been given and continuing it on, even though physically we may not be present. So in a sponsored school, is there a timeline of activity that has to take place or, or certain criteria that have to get met to be considered a sponsored school for like the Merit Society? Right, there is. And there is a booklet it's called, uh, the name just changed uh, recently, but I think it's called uh, uh, Maris Sponsored Schools oh. of the United States, or Maris Schools in the United States. 
and essentially it's it's a document that talks about what is necessary for a school to be Marist. Yeah. However, there's a caveat that has to go with this, and it's a very important one. It's very easy because we do it so frequently in our lives in so many different areas that we say, okay, if I do A, B, C, D, E, and F, I can check the box, Mm. and that's it. We're done. Sponsorship is not like that. You can't just check a box and say, okay, I've done A, B, C, D, E, and F, and, you know, so we're a Mara school. Right. It's a living, breathing spirit that has to be maintained. And this document talks about that living, breathing spirit that has to be communicated uh, throughout the school. Mm. So who, like, checks up on that, I guess, for lack of a better, you know, like would the Marist Provincial, like, make sure that this is being followed if, if it's a sponsored school? Yes. And uh, ultimately, uh, what we're working toward is there would be like an accreditation oh, process, okay. yeah. you know, not as not as fancy as yeah. Isaac's or or anything like that. But, you know, we would we would uh, ask people to show us, demonstrate for us that, you know, you have the Marist spirit and it's operating in the school and that you've kept to the the uh, guidelines of this document and that, you know, you're, you're employing these things. And the document itself is sort of, um, it has a lot of different categories. I wish I had the document. I should have brought it with me, but I didn't. Um, but, you know, for example, it talks about what are you doing in the way of religious education? Mm. Because faith formation is the reason, at least in my opinion, is the reason that we exist. Yeah. And so, you know, do you have a faith formation program in place? Well, secondly, attached to that is, it's not just learning concepts in a classroom. How is the faith formation of the student being developed through other programs in the school? Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's that's one area. Another area addresses, for example, um, who are you bringing into your school as a population? Wow. Yeah. You know, are you are you conscious of the fact that diversity has to be there, and uh, you know that the diverse nature of the school depends upon where you're at and what's going on. Yeah. And things. I think one of the one of the most important concepts that I see in the document is a school, no matter whether it's Notre Dame or some other school in the area, uh, no matter if it's, uh, let's take, for example, uh, elementary and, and middle schools. So, you know, you have um, Holy Family over in Rochester. Those are archdiocesan schools. They're directly under, you know, the archdiocese. Right. Notre Dame Prep uh, is, you know, it's an independent Catholic high school, uh, independent Catholic school, uh, you know, with three different levels and things. And so, the, you know, you've got this real question that then arises as you're looking at this. Does Notre Dame understand the reason for her existence? 
is to serve the church at Detroit. Mm. And, you know, does she, you know, what, what ways, what, what methods, what means does she use to be able to do that? Yeah. Um, I, you know, I, to me, that's the, the important question because we just don't come in and, and say, okay, okay, look, there's 40 acres right over there. Hey, let's build a school, you know, and it's going to work for us. No, we were invited to come and take Notre Dame and, uh, you know, to make a school of it. Cardinal Mida, I'm told, uh, used to refer to this as his miracle school because, uh, you know, it seemed that when the Maris took it and started opening Notre Dame, it just blossomed, it flourished, mm-hmm. you know, and, but, you know, we, we were always conscious of the fact that we are here at the service of the church. Wow. Yeah. So, you know, I think that that's another part of the sponsorship quotient. So there's a, there's a lot of different pieces yeah. that have to be there. To- now, how does this all work? Well, probably about two years ago, thanks to the pandemic, it's things have gotten a bit hazy. Uh, but Father Joe had put into place uh, a committee in the school, primarily made up of, of administrators and um, department, some department people from campus ministry and things. And it was specifically meant to uh, take the document, look at it, answer a number of questions, and then begin to think in terms of, okay, how do we implement this? Yeah. And things. Now, that's not to say we haven't been implementing things. Um, you know, our theme every year, so this year is uh, Ardent Love of Neighbor. Well, that theme is a way to implement the the sponsorship of the school, the Marist identity of the school, uh, into the, the the school system itself. So, you know, the, this committee is the one that has to begin to take the reins in hand and say, okay, look, this is what we have. This is what we we do. Uh, this is how we're going to go about implementing the the different things for sponsorship. Right. How do families play a role in a marriage sponsored school? Is there a, is there a role for families that are coming into the school and current families? I would hope so. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they're spending enough money. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I guess, you know, it's, it's a very interesting question. Um, our school in Atlanta, for example, is very much, um, they're, they're very family oriented in some ways. Um, they have groups, uh, they have a mother's group, for example, that meets pretty regularly. Mm. Um, they have a dad's Bible study group mm. that meets, you know, pretty regularly. And part of it is, um, a priest who has been dead now for a number of years, but was a wonderful vision man for this whole thing, Father Richie Egan. Um, he took a concept from the Marists and he said, well, let's, let's try to develop and apply it. Let's see where it goes. 
And that concept is um, the Marists are not just a group of priests and brothers or sisters. The original idea of the Marist was, uh, was this idea that there would be many branches on this tree. But one of the big branches on the tree was to be Marist laity. Mm. That there were to be men and women who were to, to pick up and live the Marist spirit so that the spirit doesn't become just something for, for a few people but rather it becomes something for everyone who wants, who feels called to this, this relationship in Christ. Yeah, right. So uh, I would hope that some people, when they, you know, when they're here, especially if they're here for 12 years or, or whatever, uh, you know, as parents, I would hope that they would say, well, you know, what is this spirituality saying to me? Mm. And of course, that's something that we have to develop. We don't do enough of that. We, you know, uh, it would be nice if there was a, a department really where, uh, you know, they, they could sit around and, uh, send out things to parents. Yeah, right. And talk about this is, this is the Maris theme of the month. Yeah. You know, type of thing so that, so that parents can get involved in that. Or if, uh, if we could take the, the theme for the year, like ardent love of neighbor. I guess too, it comes down to a, a, a question that, um, could be a little thorny. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, why do you send your kid to Notre Dame? Right. Yeah. You know, some people happen just to like the education. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that they look at the schools being much more than, just an educational institution. Wow. You know, they don't, I, I'm not sure they see the spiritual aspect of the school, or if they do, well, it's, you know, it's okay. It's, it's a, it's a Catholic school. You know, it's, it's a good thing for my kid. But I think that really this should be an engagement with the parents mm-hmm. to basically stop and, uh, you know, really think about what is it that God is trying to tell me is I'm, you know, raising my child and sending my child to the school? Is God saying something through the school to me as well about how my own faith formation should be going? Yeah. With the sponsorship of Notre Dame and other schools, what are the kind of the roles? So the, the laity, um, that's not just like the teachers and the administrators, but basically is that everybody that works at the school? Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I hate to say it, Dan, but we got you in a corner now. Um, no, yeah, it, you know, it, this wouldn't work if it's just this group or this group or this group. Uh, you know, really, in a sense, it's an invitation uh, to everybody who's in the school to explore that. Now, I've never seen when we have put out something for a hiring of a job saying, uh, you know, do you think God is really calling you yeah, to right. do this? Right. Uh, <laughs> I, <laughs> I often like it. I used to tease Father Joe. Uh, I'd say, well, how do you know this person should be here? And he'd say, well, I just got that feeling. 
I just got that feeling, you know. Or <laughs> I'd say that to Father Leon years ago when we first started. And uh, then if somebody failed, I thought, well, that feeling was really a bust. <laughs> you know, it evidently wasn't supposed to be what it was supposed to be. But that's true for anything, you yeah. know. Um, there are there are kids who are who will go here all four years to the high school or, uh, you know, for three years to the middle school and then on to the high school. And there's some kids who after the three years in the middle school, it's obvious that God is telling them, maybe you belong somewhere else, mm. you know. But, uh, you know, it's an opportunity even then to examine and to learn about your own faith. Yeah. Right. And the faith formation that, that you need to develop. I think one of the real problems is when we talk about faith, we tend to talk about some sort of monolith in our life. Mm. You know, okay, I've got my faith, whatever my faith is, and it, you know, it lasts me. Well, that's usually good until the first crises in your mm. life. And then all of a sudden, you know, you start to say, well, maybe this isn't quite as good as I thought it was. Right. And or something, you know, uh, you get to midlife uh, as an adult and you say to yourself, well, you know, I need to rethink a few things. Mm. And really, that, too, is an invitation from God. And, uh, you know, you can if you follow the way of, uh, you know, Mary, for example, uh, then what you do is you ask God, what is it that you want from me? Mm. You know, how can I be the person you've made me to be? Is that possible in this situation? Our life is a series of discernments. Mm. And, uh, you know, the Maris spirit offers a way to, to help discern that. We look to Mary. We, we try to learn from Mary how to be open to what God is asking of us in any given moment. We'll leave it with that. And the next time we come back and talk, we're going to talk a little bit about the theme of the year, the ardent love of neighbor, and how we can all benefit from being a little bit more loving and understanding and respecting of our neighbors a little bit more, especially in today's world. It's good to see you. Good to see you.